Well, I mean, I know about the text messages to your mum friend asking if it's too early to start drinking wine. I know the 3.30 p.m. grind where you start counting down the hours till it's acceptable to have a glass or two. And I definitely, you know, know about the mum's gone wild nights and the horrific hangovers the next day. And I've seen and shared all the means about mum's drinking wine to survive motherhood. But I think we've been duped into this, into thinking that this is just a natural way of life and a way it to goes manage, hand in hand yeah, and a way to yep. manage the demands of motherhood we are built for strength and perseverance we are incredible powerhouses and I don't think we need to be numbed or buzzed or altered by alcohol to get through the day-to-day challenges you know what I'm saying isn't to diminish the challenges that we face as you know mothers because you know as a single working mama I get it but what I'm saying is challenge the belief that you need to have wine as your support system instead because we are so much stronger than we're ourselves credit for. Mm. We are so much stronger than the alcohol industry and society gives us credit for, you know. Life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. I'm here with the incredible, awesome, brilliant, beautiful, funny Monique Barry. How are you? I'm very, very good today. I feel like good. I'm ready. I'm ready for this chat. We're ready. We're ready. We're gearing ourselves up. Four weeks in the making. Everyone bloody loves <laughs> you in the last one, which no worries. It's not like I was in it anyway. It's <laughs> my show. All remember, about you. not your show. <laughs> no, you were brilliant, brilliant. And I have still Thank have people you. messaging me about that episode and then you you know that epic truth bomb that then I made into a I caption know. on Instagram and I know I'm quotable like, this woman yeah is quotable you honestly quotable. I actually surprised myself <laughs> <laughs> you it know you just surprise me <laughs> when you just start talking and you're like really in the zone and you're really like tapped in and turned on and then you say something <laughs> and you're like fuck did I just say that smart. I do that with um when I look back to my blog writing I'll sometimes and I'm definitely not saying this by meaning like I'm some great writer or anything, but I'll just be like, where the F did that come from? Like, <laughs> I couldn't write that now. I don't, what? I know, yeah, and it almost feels like something else is, has taken over and done I it. mean, but that's the thing is with pure creativity, it is like divine guidance. It is whatever, you know, the collective needs to hear in that moment. So it's not actually, you're just the conduit for whatever message needs to be communicated. I think that's yeah, most- and it feels like you've tapped mm. into something, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels like, yeah, you tapped into something and you don't even really remember doing it. Anyway, right. so. Um, cool we, story. Uh, yeah, cool story. <laughs> we all enjoy that. Um, what is very exciting before we get to this week's episode is that um, Monique is coming to Melbourne Woo! and we're finally meeting. We're finally going to lay the rumours down that if one of us is catfishing one of them. Like, so if you cancel mysteriously your day or two before um, bitch i'm gonna know i'm really hoping that sure it's just this like beautiful man who wants to marry me and sweep me off my feet you're like that's fine i'm happy to be catfish <laughs> actually you know what so am i please be catfishing me oh <laughs> uh, we well, are very sad and you're staying at our place and yes i just picture 
this is okay. This is what I picture. I picture we're going to spend your entire time in Melbourne, like <laughs> playing with crystals and like putting our feet in the ocean and then like doing like past life regressions on one another. And, <laughs> and like, you know, the boys are just going to meditate alongside of us. And then the reality, the, house. Like, the reality is, is like, I'm never staying with you ever again because the boys yeah. are hectic. The boys are like, bashing each other up we're like if you look at me one more time bitch i'm going to crack it like it's just i'm scared that my um my my real the reality is going to be a lot different to what i want want the boys to just meditate with us and we're just like this like single mum commune i feel like i feel like they're going to get on really really well because i think they're quite similar personalities anyhow but i mean this could go either terribly right or terribly wrong so (laughs) this will either be the last episode (laughs) of the juice with monty barry or yes you might never hear from her again she might be deleted from my socials (laughs) check back within three weeks and you know how it went lousy lols oh very funny okay so um what we decided to do for this the juice by Moni with Moni Barry, not by Moni Barry. Um, <laughs> is we are going to draw a card to set an intention yes. for this chat, and I can see her shuffling it. Am I going to draw like a card each, or are we just going to do one for the entire chat? Why don't we do one each? Okay, and then see, feel like what that brings it up, what because that brings up for us. I hope I get a really good one. Oh, yeah, this one's for hot man's coming. This one's for you. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> After my reading my vampire book, it's like a hot man with membrane wings and. Oh my God. I, you could not pay me to read a book. Like I hate fantasy and all that I stuff. I could not put it down. I was like, <laughs> what am I reading? This is not, I got it out of the young adult fiction. I was like, if my teenage daughter was reading this, she's going to have extremely unrealistic expectations about sex. <laughs> and For one, because it's basically soft porn. Oh dear. And the funny thing is that I am convinced that you don't sleep. Oh yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was texting you at like, midnight last night. Yeah, yeah. As I was having a meltdown, we might come um, through with this. It's like someone calm me down, and I'm like, by someone, do you mean me? Yes. <laughs> yes, I mean you. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, anyway, so I have a card. You, yeah, you've got a card, and I'll just pull my card. Sorry, I'm just shuffling. Hang on. Very slow shuffling. <laughs> I'm just having too much fun. Bear with us, guys. We'll get there, and I promise this is going to be. Oh! Easy. <laughs> Okay. okay, so my card is travel. Oh, funny that. So I know, because I'm just literally about to head off on a month uh, away from home. I leave next Tuesday. And so I think this is, I don't know, it's a really appropriate card, but it's time for you to start planning a holiday. Short break, close to home, or perhaps a longer trip to an international destination. Blah, blah, blah. So it just goes through and it's about <laughs> trying new things and making decisions and actively planning where you'd like to go next. So well, yours very, very relevant. Hot. Yeah. And yours is direction. <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Are you feeling stuck in a rut? And not sure Are you which- serious? <laughs> that is just what I was complaining about. I, I was taking money about it to you too, actually. Did you pre-pull these? No, I didn't. But it's fell <laughs> I have the travel. Pack. New incredible things are coming to you. You. You're I'm telling stuck. you, these cards are so good for me. Uh, anyway, so are you feeling stuck in a rut? Not sure which way you should turn. Do you need some help with deciding which direction you should take? Uh, this card is here to help you weigh up your options and choose a direction to follow. The energy of this will help you become clearer about what you want to achieve. Maybe you feel like you've been wasting time wandering aimlessly about of late. The time 
time for confusion and stagnation is now over. <laughs> wow. That is so true. I was just complaining to Moni, just so you all are aware yesterday. I just, I don't know if you guys have ever felt like this, but you just, I just feel like newness, just some kind of, I know newness isn't a word, but I just feel like something new coming in. I just something new, whether that's in career or love or finances all of the above, just something new. Um, and I just feel very, that's exactly what I said. I feel very stuck and in a yeah. rush and I feel like everything feels the same all the time. And I feel like I'm pushing and grinding and um, working hard, but everything's kind of feeling the same. Yeah. But then of course I, I said that to my bestie Tara and she was like, that's just, you, you know, it's, it's just yourself being so hard on yourself It is because to everyone on the outside, you look like you're doing ABC and you're doing this and you're doing well but it's we're so harsh on ourselves so yeah but I mean you also can't you know like if you're looking from the outside in you you are the best judge of your own self and where you're at and I think when we start Mm. to feel like like I feel stagnation and stuff like that at points in my life and while that's highlighting to me is that that it's that it is time for me to grow and evolve because as you start to normalize and stabilize your own like reality and the foundation of where you're at right now, that's when you start to um, have the sense of, ugh, like I need something else to come in. And you've got to be mindful. You've you know, got to pick the difference between, do I want something else to come in because I'm trying to, you know, cover over or avoid something else? Or distract. Or yeah. distract myself. Or do I want something new because I'm really desiring, you know, I, I'm really ready for and desiring a shift in my life. So you know, mm, that's the level of awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Also, like we don't want to use the word complaining either. We want to say, I was having this awareness that I am. You know, okay. Well, so I'm going to sub that in every time I complain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm having awareness. <laughs> I'm having an awareness right now. <laughs> now for our first segment, we're going to be discussing something that something that I've delved into lately and something that you've been very interested in for a while yes. and it's sobriety and the yes. kind of sobriety and I remember more oh, when we were doing our life coaching and you were telling me how you weren't drinking anymore and then you and I was thinking well, why the hell not and then you were telling me <laughs> no and then you're telling me that um you know one day you think that I will get feel like this mm-hmm. and I was just I remember thinking there is no way in hell I will feel like I don't want to drink. Like there was just, it wasn't, it was just, it was, I'm happy to have breaks where I don't and I, you know, would it be very clean and, and exercise a lot, but I'm like, there is no way I'm never not doing that. And it's funny how, again, you've proven to be the Oracle because I've spent <laughs> the last two and a half months not drinking or, you know, maybe I've had a random glass of wine yeah. every now and then out at dinner, but I've driven everywhere and it was just born out of feeling sick of myself, yeah. feeling hungover. Yeah. I was like, I am sick of feeling like this. I am sick of feeling anxious. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, it was initially the intention was, I'm just going to try it out for, you know, I'm just going to see how long it goes. I'm just not going to do it for a little while. And there was never a time limit on it, which I think is when we get distract, uh, which is when I think we get really like um, fixated on this yeah. time limit. As it draws closer, we're like, yes, now I can blow out. So I never yeah. wanted it. A, I'm not doing it until this date. But 
just very organically extended out to two and a half months. And I think, I I think that's an important word as well, like to do it organically rather than putting rules on yourself. Like I should be doing this or I shouldn't yes. be doing this. I'm not allowed. Somebody yeah. told me this, so yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. And that's just gonna... Or it's not right. Or it's, you know, I sh- if I was a spiritual person or if I was a healthy person or if I was mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you want to identify with, you know, I shouldn't be drinking, but that's not a good reason to stop. Mm, no exactly and then you've posted some incredible stories too if you guys have missed it about your journey with alcohol Mm -hmm. which is what I want to start with would you mind um you're very honest in your stories too (laughs) (laughs) to a fault stories but what was your relationship with alcohol being in your life um I mean I'm sure there's people that are far worse than me but for me it was it was quite bad, you know, like there was a time in my life when, you know, buying three bottles of wine for a night in was just oh my like, gosh. I know. So that was just like a no, that was a no, no brainer, no big deal kind of a, kind of a thing. So I, my social life, my life in general just revolved quite heavily around alcohol. I used it for stress management. I use it to fit in with my friends. You know, I, I used it for disinhibition, which I'll talk about like intention when it comes to deciding whether you do or don't want to drink that. I just drank so heavily to the point of blackout and I would drink like multiple times a week. Uh, I don't think there would be a day where I wouldn't go without drinking, but you know, like have one or two glasses, but then I would probably get like blackout drunk at some points, two to three nights a week. Wow. And that was just after work? That was just, well, it would be like Fridays. And then in Australia, of course, when I was living in Australia, Sunday sessions were so huge. So Mm. Fridays, Saturday, and then you'd go for a Sunday session on Sunday and then, and then I'd be back to my sort of like normal, go to work and just have a couple of drinks. And then Friday, you knock off early and you're back to it again. Did you feel like you were conditioned that that was a normal part of a working week? You get like um, drunk. Well, I mean, our work, this is when I was living in Queensland, actually, our work finished at four o'clock and they had a bar in the office that we could all go to and have a drink. And then when I was working in oil and gas, um, even when that was even worse actually because that would lead to like full binge drinking on my R&Rs but even when I was in oil and gas it was just like how can we 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 had a limit we had a little card that allowed us you swipe it you have four beers or whatever it is a night and you have to swipe your card and and we would figure out ways to stockpile our alcohol because like that restriction made us want to drink more Mm -hmm. and then when you're on your R&R like the minute you're at the airport the minute you touch down the first thing you're doing is going straight to the bottle shop yeah wow and how what was the when you look back what were the reasons that you were drinking how did it make you feel um definitely like stress management I was just, I had, I've always had very high pressure, high demand jobs. And the funny thing is now I can see that that actually was probably causing me more stress because of sleep and all, you know, vitality and stuff like that. But stress management, you know, a way to clock out and let my hair down at the end of the week, um, a way to fit in because I was such a big drinker and I could really handle my own. I think I felt kind of cool. Like, I, mm. you know, I was like the party yeah. girl and I was definitely the instigator. I was the one that would encourage and push people to get drunk as well. So I'm sorry to anybody I've ever peered mm. <laughs> drinking. Mm. Uh, and then also, you know, as, disin- as a disinhibition sort of, str- you know, strategy for reducing pain or shame or anything that I was feeling, you know, it's an honorable goal but had a problematic solution when did you realize it was impacting your life well when I had my son first of all because 
I was by myself. And so if I was hungover, I just couldn't, could not parent. Mm. And I had no one to help babysit or get him up in the morning or anything like that the next day. Um, and even getting babysitters was, you know, it was just it, getting babysitters was hard. So then I'd really let loose when I did have a babysitter. So that's when it sort of started thinking, you know, this is not how I want to be spending my days hungover or having him see me in this state. Yeah. Cause I'm a horrific hungover person. And then when I started really getting into life coaching and meditation as well, I started to think to myself, how am I being an exemplar here? How am I, how am I being a shining example of what it is to take care of yourself and honor yourself when I talk about these things all throughout the week about, you know, spending time with yourself and communing with yourself and sitting in meditation and sitting with your, um, sitting with your own feelings and emotions and stuff like that. And then come Friday, ready to tap out, get blind drunk, do ridiculous, stupid things, and then feel shame and guilt about it for the next couple of days. And then straight back onto my sort of, you know, motivational, inspirational self-sufficiency bandwagon. Yeah. Kind of like tapping out of your mm-hmm. spiritual beliefs. Yeah. It almost sounds like as well. You, I remember you said on Instagram too, there were a couple of stories that just you did things as well in, yeah. more, in a drunken state that you just oh. woke up and you felt just, you were sick of feeling so embarrassed. Yeah. Like my tipping point was actually just, it was actually like a culmination of all the things that I probably might do in a night all in one big massive night. And it was boxing day, 2017, I think. And I got so drunk. <laughs> actually my mum spiked my drink uh, with, with tequila. No, oh, right. Just, okay. Yeah. I was like, so I'd already been drinking. Yeah. I'd already been drinking. And then on top of that, my friends and my mom thought it was hilarious to, you know, go get my drinks and then put vodka or whatever the hell they put in them. Anyway. So I ended up getting even drunker than I had planned to. I mean, and that's kind of, yeah, that's, it's abuse. <laughs> But anyway, and that's another podcast. podcast. But anyway, and then I woke up the next day and I just had videos on my phone and taken off me and calls. My brother had a broken wrist. My cousin had a dented like bonnet in his car. My clothes were saturated. So I'd gone, apparently gone skinny dipping at the wharf, which is bloody fishing wharf just up the road from my house. I'd walked in the middle of the main road. I'd done something to my brother. Nobody can remember, you know, it was just wow. me and him and he'd broken his wrist. And oh so, my yeah. God. And then on top of that, I was on my way to a baby shower the next day and I was just sick the entire way. And I sat at my friend's baby shower and I just was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, like who is this person? Mm. It's just not funny. Mm. And that was it. That's what you said just then. It's not funny. That's how I felt as well the last mm. time. And it was like December. And I woke up and I'm like, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Like, the, and when I when I personally reflect back, and I break my life into, um, I guess I chunks so I can process it. And I think back, the chunk I'm looking at is 2017 to now, which was a very traumatic year for me, for a number of reasons. And I re- I used to drink with the intention of 
this is really fun. I can't wait to be with my friends. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to make some funny memories. This is really enjoyable. And I honestly did used to go into it like that. Very rarely would I get very, very sick. It was more just, this is a really fun time. Um, And sure, it used to break down boundaries of friendships. You know, you'd become closer with people quicker. Oh, best friends with girls in the toilets. exactly. (laughs) And, you you know, this is what I should be doing. But then it's not, it's taken me till now to realize that my drinking has been since that, since what everything that happened in 2017, every time my intention was, I am feeling sad. I am feeling frustrated. I'm feeling angry. I'm, I need to be distracted. Mm. I am feeling um, low. I'm feeling lonely. This is a way to make me feel better because it's worked in the past. So I was using old methods to numb myself out of this pain which was very very new and something I'd never navigated before Mm. and didn't know how to navigate and I think that's what really flicked me and it sounds like it did for you too that why and that intention used to be very different and very very innocent and all of a sudden yeah I mean I was young and I had fun and I can't yeah I'm I'm not going to take away from any of some of the crazy amazing funny hilarious that I still laugh about nights but at some point for me it switched from having a little bit of fun to Mm. kind of like a serious dependency tool for me in order to, you know, manage my stress and manage my anxiety, manage my depression when I had postnatal depression and all of those kinds of things, you know? Yeah. That's where you and I differ. And I think that's really, this is an interesting point to bring up because there'll be some people that resonate with what you're saying. And then there'll be some people that might resonate with what I'm about to say is that I don't drink during the week at all. And when I was partying and going out a lot in the last couple of years, I would never ever touch a drink during the week. It would be a set day. I knew it was coming up. I was doing something with my friends and I was going to get off my face there. So I'm very zero or a hundred. And if I'm, you know, I, I was like, I don't see the point in driving and having one or two drinks. Like what is the point unless you're actually absolutely yeah. getting hit face. So, yeah. and that's, that's, I guess where we differ with that stress release. It was like, it's just going to, for me, it was like, I'm just going to let it build up and let it build up because I know that day is coming yeah. that I'll be able to release it all and I'll feel really happy and have so much fun that day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way that this, this kind of, we're conditioned to believe that alcohol helps us, but it manifests um, in different ways yeah. depending on how you deal with that, I guess, is what yeah. I'm Yeah, and I think even socially, like for me drinking during the week because I love cooking, you know, you have like a beautiful – and because I was drinking nice alcohol, I kind of think I justified it in my mind. So I'd have a like nice bottle of Pinot or something like that and you have it with food and then you have friends over and then it becomes this really socially normal thing to be doing And I remember when I first stopped drinking, honestly, I didn't know what to do with my hands and it made people uncomfortable when we go out for dinner. And I was like, what, you know, it felt so naked to Mm. not have this drink. So that was the real discomfort that I felt was dealing with other people's discomfort. Like just have a drink, just one, you know, or we're all drinking. You're no fun anymore. I like the old Monique and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then also like my own, 
my own actual discomfort with my own body language and stuff like that and really having to be present for conversations because the drunker you get, the less you have to care what you say because you're drunk and everything's fun and happy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and no one's really listening to one another. And no. then you all wake, like in my experience, and you all wake up completely embarrassed about what you said or did or how oh, you behaved. The text and messages, then, the dreading oh. looking at your phone. I'm like, what yes. did I do last night? That was the worst. Yes. Actually, it was and all that, the worst, but. <laughs> that was, that's yeah. what tipped just, me as well. It was like, I don't want to think about anything I said or did. Yeah. Isn't that an indication that that wasn't really feeling yeah. in alignment? And I might just say, I am not saying that I won't drink again. I actually had my brother's birthday on the weekend and we had a few drinks for his birthday. And that was the first time I'd had a few drinks, but the change for me, and it's all very gradual, this kind of stuff is that usually I would have been out till 4, 5 a.m. Yeah. I was, we grabbed my sister and we were home by 12.30 and yeah. That doesn't sound like, might not sound like a huge deal, but for me, that is a, that isn't really monumental change, particularly when I haven't been out for two and a half months, that usually would have been my ticket to, there you go. You can go, you know, go as wild as you want because you've earned it and you deserve it. And really it. without any force or effort at all. And I mean, I think that's the, the thing is that we don't want to, you know, the better action we need to take isn't to force ourselves to start or stop drinking, but to reassess the quality of our strategies for coping with our life and start mm. to bring awareness and intention to what it is we're actually doing. You know, the four main reasons why people drink, are, well, I mean, this is just my summation, but is, you know, stress management, letting your hair down, you know, feeling like you can just, you know, just breathe a little bit with the alcohol kind of like lets you, allows you to do that, relaxes you, um, you know, so, being socially acceptable and succumbing mm. to peer pressure and sort of not wanting to be the odd one out. Um, indoctrination, which is where it's just the norm. It's the thing you do. You know, you go to a winery, you have lunch with a glass of wine, you celebrate toasting champagne mm. or something like that. And the, what we were talking about before, which is disinhibition, you know, feeling, um, you know, you, you literally feel like you can be more sociable, you know, if you're an introvert, mm. for example, or using it as a pain or shame redu reduction strategy. Oh, for me, yeah, the last couple of years has been to distract and numb out. Mm. And I think that's really important for anyone listening that, you know, you could be where I was a few years ago and be like, uh, bitches, please, I am never not drinking. And that's fine. I'm never and I was the same as well. Like there yeah. was, if I saw people who didn't drink, I'd be like, loser. <laughs> yeah, boring. But I, boring. Yeah, it's exactly the same. And oh. I was the same, I'm the same as you is that I then would harass people. Come on, just have yeah. one. What just are you doing? One. It's funny. like Because it made me feel better though if yeah. everyone's doing the same thing I'm doing and we're all on the same level as me that it used to, it would justify and validate to me that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, and I'm, as I said, I had a few drinks on my brother's birthday and I'm not saying I'll never drink again. And I've got a really good friend, one of my best friend's engagement parties this Sunday and it's at a winery. So I'm not coming from the angle that, you know, I've cut it completely out, but I'm coming from the angle of the way me assessing my why has completely yeah. changed and altered my relationship with alcohol. And it's allowed me to sit in these feelings of discomfort that I've been running away from yeah. for a few years. Maybe if you select self every now and then or have a period where you allow yourself to think of your why and allow yourself to wonder, why do I want that glass of wine? Mm. Or why am I going out to have this really boozy lunch? Is it because I actually want to and I'm really excited, you know, to see this friend I haven't seen? Or if I think 
and I know as a single mom, I don't have anything else to do. My son is with his dad. What else do I do? Um, I don't know how else to have fun and it's really lonely and uncomfortable by myself. So the only option is to drink. So I just think it's getting really clear on that why and what are you trying to numb out of? What are you trying to distract from? Are you wanting to feel more brave or social or fun? That's yeah. going to be the core of, I guess, sleep. Yeah, really analyzing why you drink and what what it brings to your life as well. It's just, you know, spirituality is about, it's not about, there's no rules. What it is about is about bringing awareness. It's about bringing the unconscious to the, to the conscious. And it's about bringing awareness to everything that you do. It's about doing things with intention, not just doing mm-hmm. automatic, you know, not just automatic yes. behavior. But again, like coming back to your point of, you know, I'm at home, this is a good way to segue into sort of like the mama wine culture. You know, there's a hashtag yes. trending, hashtag wine 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 mom wine mum you know and there's this like acceptability especially amongst mums that you know wine is kind of normal that's what it's I really want to discuss that too it almost is as soon as I became a mum drinking was synonymous with being a mum yeah and drinking became intertwined with being a mum is so hard and it's such a thankless job and it's so difficult you you deserve to numb out and tap yeah. out of that because what your life, this is how it always felt to me. Your life is so hard and shit. You need to drink. Yeah. And that's when in the last couple of months of not drinking, I really started to question that. And that used to, and it actually started to make me feel really upset. The yeah. thought of it, the thought that my son will grow up with the subconscious belief of mummy drinks because parenting me is so hard and horrible yeah. for her. So that's interesting. That. I've never thought of that, but that's definitely an interesting perspective. Well, and I could be out of it then. I'm not sure, but I just think if they can kind of see that, yeah. oh, mummy has to drink or mummy has to put me to bed. Plus then drinking's normal in be- your household, you know. Yeah, yeah. and mummy drinks because that's how you deal with discomfort yeah. and uncomfortable feelings is that you reach for a bottle of wine mm. when, um, you know, when I've come out to to give her a hug, she's a few glasses in or, yeah. or something like that. I, and, and that made me feel really uncomfortable. And someone I follow shared this thing of um, this, it was meant to be funny. And she, oh, the, I see, yeah. the edit didn't find it funny at all. She yeah. found it really alarming and I did too. And it was a woman filling up this giant wine glass with a whole bottle and her child was, you couldn't see the child and the child was trying to tell a story. And I know when my son tries to tell stories, sometimes, you know, they just stutter. Sometimes the stories are boring. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a fact. They can't get it out. It is something they're interested in. But I am so interested because he's so interested and I'm so invested. And she's pouring the whole glass bottle into this one glass and the son's trying to spit something out. And her face is completely unamused. Yeah. And it was like, mum life, am I right? Or some bullshit like that. And then all the comments, I was like, what are people saying about this? Were saying, oh my God, that's my life. And taking their friends and laughing, laughing. And that's what really got me to thinking that, oh my gosh, that makes, breaks my heart for my son to grow up thinking my, you know, I'm so boring or annoying that it makes mum need to tap out and drink wine. And that's my fault, I guess, you know, that he would grow up thinking that's his fault. 
Well, I mean, I know about the text messages to your mum friend asking if it's too early to start drinking wine. I know the 3.30 p.m. grind where you start counting down the hours till it's acceptable to have a glass or two. And I definitely, you know, know about the mum's gone wild nights and the horrific hangovers the next day. And I've seen and shared all the memes about mum's drinking wine to survive motherhood. But I think we've been duped into this, into thinking that this is just a natural way of life and a way it to goes manage, hand in hand yeah, and a way to yep. manage the demands of motherhood but we are built for strength and perseverance we are incredible powerhouses and I don't think we need to be numbed or buzzed or altered by alcohol to get through the day-to-day challenges you know what I'm saying isn't to diminish the challenges that we face as you know mothers because you know as a single working mama I get it but what I'm saying is challenge the belief that you need to have wine as your support system instead because we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for Mm. we are so much stronger than the alcohol industry and society gives us credit credit for you know in australia alone it's a 12 billion dollar industry that's a lot of money do you think they want us to stop that's so interesting you brought that up because i've also got a stat here that it's a 36 billion dollar annual cost to australian society in hospital hospitalizations, deaths, car accidents, crimes, yeah. um, and the, that correlation is to drinking. Yeah. And I just want to make it very clear. I'm not saying never to drink. It's just about getting curious about the why yeah. and about, you know, if that is your only coping strategy, well, then let's, why don't we try and look at some other ones? You know, yeah. maybe it is, you will feel like a glass of wine with a friend you haven't seen in a while. But in the meantime, on a Wednesday, and it has been a really stressful day. And as you said, we both totally get that especially as single mums when you feel like you're doing it all but the power of investigating other coping tools Mm. is the difference it makes it into your life is profound and that then teaches our children that there are a variety of ways to deal and cope with the stresses of life as well because life strategies that's all we need to look at is life strategies and non-problematic solutions. That's it. You know, sometimes I think about having a drink. I'm also not anti-drinkers and I go out with, you know, I went to a concert with my friends and they were wasted and it was fun. We had a great night. Nobody gave a shit that I wasn't drinking anymore. Mm. You know, that's, I, I don't care if you do or don't drink. What I care about is whether or not you you are willing to look at your reasons and if you can, you know, think of different ways that you can, because there's so many things out there um, that can help us cope with life, whether it be talking to a friend or talking to a professional or meditation or a meditation app, you know, I know going for a walk, going for a walk in nature, you know, doing something creative. And there's, there's, there's lots of things that I had to learn. And it was a, you know, for me, my, my tipping point was big enough for me to just stop cold turkey, but I had been flirting kind of with the idea of sobriety for a, a while and going back and forth and having the 30 day alcohol, no alcohol challenges. Sorry. Mm. Um, but they were always, a, it was just always start, stop, start, stop, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which I yeah. think is if you're doing that, you know, it kind of feels like you're on the, you, you already might be thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I did want to get to when you did cut it out and you said that it was, you know, you didn't know what to do with your hands and there was people telling you you're boring now and they liked the older version of yeah. you, the, the previous version of you. What changes did you notice in yourself though and how soon did you 
notice these changes? A couple of things that I noticed was internal monologue. Oh, do you mean physical health changes or physical, like how's emotional, it? spiritual, everything? What I think for notice? me, I noticed emotionally that I would start to process my own thoughts as they were happening rather than reflecting yes. on them later. So like in the so moment, true. Yes. Yeah, I would be sitting there and I'd be like, wow, I feel really uncomfortable with my hands or wow, I feel really pressured to fit in right now. So I started noting that, noticing this kind of like in a monologue reflecting kind of going on. So that was one thing that I noticed. So that helps me in other areas of my life really be able to sit with uncomfortable feelings and really be able to have awareness when something feels kind of off or not feels, feels quite right, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but physically just, I'm never hungover, obviously. So I never, but also I saved, I saved a lot of money. (laughs) Not drinking yeah. because A, I drank quite a bit and B, I drank very expensive alcohol. Yeah. And then there's the Ubers and the taxis and, and things like yeah. that as well. Yeah. I, that processing of emotions is something for me. I yeah. will, as you very well know, had a little meltdown last night. I mean, sorry, I had awareness last night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and by the time I woke up, I, I processed it and yeah. I was like, right. This, I can see it. I can yeah. see this. I can see the trigger. I can see what I need to do. I can see all of that now. Yeah. And I think when I was in the cloud of going out a lot. I mean, it lasts that longer. That's all. Like two or lot. three days a week, that, two weeks. Yes. That would have lingered yeah. a lot longer though and taken me a lot longer to come to yeah. because you feel a lot. Yeah. more, And I feel more capable of sitting in discomfort now and going, I feel shitty this morning because it's been a shit morning. And okay, what I need to do for the next hour is sit back and just sit yeah. on the couch and chill out. And then when I've done that, and then I go on to my next. And it just feels like everything just feels a lot, yeah, like it processes a lot better as well. Yeah. And what does your life look like now? You know, if you have events coming up or social, yeah, social. Um, what do you do? Nothing really. I mean, I just don't, I don't bother making excuses for it. And, you know, everybody knows now that I don't drink. So nobody nobody says anything. And to be honest, when I quit drinking and I had all those challenges within my friend circles, you know, I actually started to, I started to actually sub- unconsciously start to call in more aligned people. So now my new, my new group of friends, none of them drink, um, at all. Um, and then some of my older friends, it really inspired, I don't want to say I inspired them, but it really created space for them to look at this. So a lot of my friends have also quit drinking or, um, have really reduced their alcohol intake. So for me, it's actually not an issue. Um, I did pour myself a glass of champagne at my sister's wedding, but I didn't end up drinking it because I was dancing and having fun. And I just was like, I don't, I don't, I toasted it and I didn't drink it. And that was all good. Yeah. It just, restaurant bills cheaper. Yeah. Life goes on. (laughs) Yeah. I saw this incredible quote and it said, the answer isn't in the alcohol. The answer is in the feelings that you're avoiding. I think that just really sums it up. And you know, sometimes if your intention is, it's very, it's something that's joyful and exciting thing, but just get really curious about your why. And I mean, challenge yourself to the idea that you can still be joyful and exciting and your old self without alcohol, you know, you can still Mm. dance till midnight. You can still, do whatever you want to do it's alcohols you're the common denominator not alcohol yeah well okay well I thought this would be really cool because I as a meditator and as someone who's I would say I'm fairly spiritual you know and and a mum I get asked about mindfulness for kids and how I can involve my son or how do I get him to sit still in meditation is actually like the biggest question I get because he does have a little um, meditative practice 
Oh my gosh, it's so cute yeah. too. I love that you've brought this one to the table this yeah. week. Oh my gosh, you've got to look at the videos. Can you put them up again <laughs> when we release this podcast? I think it might be on my highlights. But, yeah. Oh, it's so cute. He just sits in his little lotus position and closes his eyes and meditates. And I'm like, hey, he, does. Do he doesn't really meditate, but he does close his eyes and he does listen to his breath. And we also have to remember his attention span is next to nothing. So like he would, I would do it for 20 minutes. I, so I meditate 20 minutes twice a day at least. And then I have a number of other mindfulness practices that I do throughout the day. And then he'll often sit with me either mimicking my position um, or, you know, so, but anyway, I thought I would just share my five tips for mindfulness for kids. Perfect. Um, and remember that what you're seeing now is not where I started because when I first started, I actually didn't try and force him to do anything. I just started exposing him to things I was doing. So my first step is establishing your own consistent practice because there is no better teacher than modeling behavior. And so um, introducing a reflective practice at home, whether it's um, while you meditate, you encourage quiet play. So to start with, when I would meditate, I would have quiet play toys and books, you know, books for him to read with or little figurines to play with or the busy books, which are the felt books. And I would sit him at my feet and I would meditate in front of him so that he could see me. Now he'll happily sit on my knee um, or sit beside me or sit and close his eyes as well and often fall asleep. So, um, yeah, so having a reflective practice at home that encourages that is is really good and modeling your own behavior rather than trying to get them to do it and, and doing it in front of them. Um, my second tip would be activities that promote creativity because creativity is a really mindful practice. It is, um, and it could be painting or writing or drawing or Play-Doh or, or clay works or anything like that. Anything where they have to really be present and where there's no rules and again whenever we do like blocks of painting I always keep it to 45 minutes because after that his attention's gone and he's ready to move on to the next thing so um so we try and do those a couple of times a week music as well he's got these little drum thingies that are really beautiful sounding and my crystal bowls and stuff that he plays oh, I thought it was like one of those horrible plastic like kids no no no, no. Like, Shut up. <laughs> I bought it from India it's, I can't remember what it's called oh. but it's like a the metal drums that you sort of like bang on the top is beautiful right, okay I think that's a really good one because you've said that to me that these kinds of activities you know, not all, my son just certainly doesn't sit in, you know, and close his eyes, but mm. keeping them really mindful. And you said to me that, you know, does Ollie line up his toys in a row and things like that? And I said, oh yeah, he does. And she got, you said, well, that's a, that's a form of yeah. mindfulness and keeping yeah. really present and, and, and he loves doing that. So I think that's a really, if you see your child doing that, I guess they're already practicing. They're already naturally form. practicing mindfulness. So we just want to create space for them to be able to do that. You know, we, I think we think we have to, that our kids are going to get bored and that we're going to keep We've got to keep them busy and so on, you know, so on and so on. But we actually don't and it's really good for them to be able to learn how to play with themselves and occupy themselves otherwise then later in life they can often get uncomfortable with being alone or being in their own presence Mm -hmm. or in those pockets of space feel really really uncomfortable with them or need someone's company and yeah. presence because yeah. they don't know yeah they don't know what to yeah. do with themselves That's you know so as true. a child I was left alone completely by myself pretty much 90% of the time so oh I'm good God. with being by myself wow oh my gosh I'm I the, think at I, the other end of the I feel like I'm the opposite because my mum yeah. didn't work and it's almost like I was always used to having someone there and that's something yeah. we've delved into oh, it's, it's like it's I, a Dow's fault 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mum. It's absolutely. It's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, for being such a present mother. Um, no, so I've never had to really be by myself, and that was something that we've I learned. With yes, the yeah. last couple years. But I think I'm a lot better. I You're different. Oh my god, the fact that you can even sit at home by yourself is a huge win. You yes. know, small wins. Third tip would be. Um, there's tons of tools and resources, you know, YouTube videos. If you're not comfortable doing it yourself, YouTube videos um, that can show your kids how to breathe and, and talk them, them through meditations. I use a bedtime meditation app called Sleep Meditation. And that's by Chris, I think it's Christine or Chris, Christian. I don't know what her name is, Christine Kerr. But um, she has a background in Montessori education. And so just before bed, we read two books and then I'll play this little sleep meditation. It's really, really cool. Um, mm. It gets them to visualize like a balloon above their belly. And, and every time they breathe, the balloon fills up with all their worries, things like that. Um, so using tools and resources is a really good way. Uh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So that's a cool one. My fourth tip would be just keeping it really simple, you know, breathing exercises, just showing them what it feels like to breathe in and out of their nose, closing their eyes and telling them to wiggle different body parts, you know, wiggle your toes, wiggle your hands, um, sitting out in nature and asking them to tell you what you hear. You know, my son and I will often sit on the deck and look at the clouds and what do you see or what birds can you hear? Or can you hear any insects? Things like that. Those are all really simple five minute things that you can do with your kids. The last thing, and it's really important and can also be quite difficult for people um, if they aren't aware of it themselves is talking to your kids about their emotions. Um, and rather than explaining emotions intellectually, you know, if you feel happy, it means this. And if you feel sad, it means this, but mm. asking different questions, like where do they feel their emotion in their body? So if both sometimes feeling sad, I'll say, where he'll, he won't know what the word sad is, but he'll say, I'm feeling something. And I'll say, where are you feeling it? And he might tap to his chest or his stomach or his head or something like that. Um, and then asking them to point to, you know, what color is it? If you've got some colors lying around and they can say it's red or black or starting to get them. This is toddler. My son's four. So this is what I would do with him now. Getting them to point to pictures of happy faces, smiling faces, oh, smiling faces, sad faces, and neutral faces and stuff yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not being dismissive of their emotions because the key to mindfulness is emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. Yeah. I love that so much. Why, you know, if you were to implement all these kinds of tools um, and mindfulness for our children, mm. what kind of impact do we hope that has on them? when they're adults so I guess this is what it's all for yeah I mean I research has shown that it um, helps reduce anxiety and stress because it is a you know stress and anxiety tool um, to help support that um, improved attention span and focus fostering empathy and compassion in your children is really important encouraging creative you know creativity which is um which is really important i think that often gets like pushed down um in childhood and then that's when we sort of step into that more logical analytical sides of ourselves as adults and um just being able to understand our emotions and what's going on for us and what the mm. physiological response like having awareness for me i didn't yeah. learn about my emotions at all until i was you know nearly in my 
late twenties, thirties, which is so common as well. I it's think so that's common. a common theme. Yeah. So I just felt like my life was always sad and hard. That's all I knew. That was just my normal. So when I actually started to learn that there's even different ways of feeling sadness, there's grief, there's, mm. um, you know, there's all kinds of layers within each sort of emotion. You know, I think that really helped me understand myself. Yeah. So it feels like these are all, yeah, equipping our, like equipping our children with the tools to take into adulthood. Yeah. So that and ourselves. Manage. Yeah, yeah. It does help us as well. Yeah. yeah. I would just pick one thing. I would pick, I wouldn't try and do all five of these tips. I would just pick one thing. So if the meditation app before bed is what you want to pick, it's easiest for you because it helps relax them before sleep, then do that. If it's, mm. um, you know, getting them doing painting or something a day, then do that. You know, if this is all new for you, I would just start with one thing and then build from there. Exactly. And I think, and that's what the point I was going to make and I forgot it <laughs> came out of my head was that equipping with them tools to get into adulthood is a lot of the time that we didn't get these kinds yeah. of tools. We did it. That's why, you know, we are our age and, you know, alcohol was so prevalent for such a, you know, yeah. you were saying a big part of your life because we didn't have those tools. And I think you said something really, you said it to me before and it made me laugh, but it's just so true that, you know, life and just life, I guess, is going to, it's a lack of a screw our children up in some way. Uh, I was just thinking that we're going to fuck our kids up no matter what we do. So we want to give them the tools to manage that fuck up as best as possible. Like even I'm going to screw up Bowden somehow. I don't know. Exactly. So I guess what I'm getting at with that (laughs) is to take that pressure off ourselves that we have to be these absolutely perfect parents which I get very caught up in and, um, and know that, you know, we're doing the very best we can, which is a lot better than previous generations, I think, by teaching our kids these tools and that when they are adults and shit happens, which it always is going to happen. Shit is always going to be with and yeah, without your control. Yeah. And they have that resilience. So yeah. I love that one. I think that's a beautiful yeah. one. I'm going to implement so many of those. We've also got what I do with Ollie is um, – we have a few books about emotions and we yeah. read those. Oh yeah, those are good as well. Night. Yeah. He loves those. And that I see, hear him kind of implement little things that he's learned in the books, which is really beautiful. And then I also try and instill a sense of gratitude within him because he's very lucky. We are both very fortunate <laughs> with a lot of different things. Yeah. And so I'll say, he and actually it was very sweet when we left the house this morning for kinder, he said, our house is so beautiful, mommy. And I said, it is beautiful, Ollie. You're, we're so lucky to have this house. So I'm always trying to show him how, you know, how lucky we are and how thankful we are to have beautiful food that we're eating or to live yeah. in the house. Or we also, every night before bed, we talk about three things that he liked that day, three things yeah. that were joyful or I guess it's talking about three things he was grateful for. But if I just say, what three things did you love today? And it, usually it'll be like, I loved... Going to with my friends, yeah, <laughs> watching cars and eating an ice cream. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. So they're just little simple things that we do as well. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. I reckon we're done with this. I think I'm done talking to you. I'm done. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being You're yet again, welcome. a wealth of wisdom and knowledge that you are just the Oracle of being. If you have any um, questions for Monique or myself, please feel free to DM us. Yes. We love questions. We love chatting. Otherwise you'll be back whether you like, Oh no, you might not be back. I might not be back if I hate you when I see you in two yeah, weeks. Yeah. If our trip doesn't go well. Okay. If it goes well, Monique will be back within, within four, in four weeks with another 
And if it doesn't, it was really nice to be here today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was good to have her these two times and you'll just have to listen to these again. So um, thank you so very much for being here again. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Juice with Money Barry and I hope you liked it and got something out of it. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find Moni at MoniqueBarry underscore. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. And I know I say it every week, but if you have a spare minute, I'd be so appreciative if you could hit five stars, leave a review and hit subscribe. That helps boost the podcast and will mean it'll land in the earphones of people who perhaps really need it. So I'd be very, very, very appreciative. Have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll be back on Thursday with another midweek squeeze. Can't wait to chat then. Bye, guys. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.